This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 18, Episode 44. This is Writing Excuses. NaNoWriMo, Week 1. Getting started. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Dong Wan. I'm Aaron. I'm Dan. And I'm Howard. And we're going to be talking about National Novel Writing Month. Uh, all month, in fact. For those of you who haven't participated in this, National Novel Writing Month is a month-long challenge in the month of November where you attempt to write a novel or 50,000 words, depending on how you want to define that. So what we're going to be talking about is what you need to do in order to try to have something that's vaguely coherent at the end of the month. And these tools are tools that you can use the rest of the time when you're working on novels uh, or short stories, but we're going to talk this week about getting started. So how do we do that? <laughs> I was like, surely someone else will start talking now. And that's often the problem. because getting started is hard. Getting started <laughs> is hard. So in getting started, what we're talking about on day one is that you're going to be writing your opening. And this is where you meet your characters and you set promises for your readers. So we're going to be talking about the stuff that you need to establish, but the order in which you establish things is very much up to you. So what do you all find are some like consistent things that make an opening, like that, that first page? Mm-hmm. I personally really love openings. They're my favorite part of the book. Um, as a literary agent, I'm mostly looking at openings as I'm going through queries and new projects and things like that. So for me, the thing I'm looking for in that first page, in those opening sections, is a sense that the author knows what they're doing, and they're going to take me on a journey that I'm excited to go on with them, right? So projecting a certain amount of confidence and a certain amount of authority in those opening pages are really important. So one of the best tools to do this is with your actual voice. The words that you're using and the sentence structure that you have is a great way to bring readers in and project that kind of confidence that you are going to be telling us a story that we're going to be excited to read. Um, That can be everything from word choice to sentence structure to a kind of musicality and rhythm that you have in those opening sentences. Um, But that really needs to be balanced with all of the information that you need to give to your readers, right? It can't all just be voicey, beautiful prose. You also need to be communicating a ton of information in those opening pages. I'm a sucker for a good first line. And it it can take a long time to write a first line that you're happy with. And often the first week of NaNoWriMo is not a great time to, to grind on that. Absolutely. Caveat, if the first line is good enough to excite me, the first line might be good enough to continue to excite you. And so I always try and put fill my first page with things that are not just promises to the readers, but that are promises to me to get me motivated to remind me how much fun this story is going to be. Right. Yeah, this is nano. You're not here to make perfect prose. You're not here to, you know, make sure everything's super refined and edited to perfection. You're here to get words on the page, right? So I'm telling you this as ways to think about what your goals are for the opening, but don't stress about anything that I'm saying right now. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you mentioned voice. Voice is one of the three things that I try to do in an opening. And you don't need to do all of these three. Really, your goal is to hook the reader and get them interested. 
And the way I think about it, you can do that with a really great, interesting voice or with a compelling character or with a fascinating world or setting. And one of those three is going to grab that reader and they'll want to learn more about it and come on in. If you can do all three, that's even better. But Yeah, you're generally going to do some combo of those, mm-hmm. right? It's not going to be pure voice. If it's pure voice, then they're like, what is the story about? I'm out. You know, if it, But you want to have character in there. It's sort of like you're adjusting the levels to sort of fit the story you're trying to tell. So I find that, that what you're talking about, I, I've... Um, I'd see as kind of two different paths into a story mm-hmm. that you can have something that's kind of voice driven where the voice is doing all of the lifting and carrying, or you can have something that's action driven where the character is in the middle of doing something and that, that there's overlap between those two things, but like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, nobody is doing anything. It's all voice driven. Whereas if you look at the beginning of, um, Ghost Talkers, using my own novel, <laughs> uh, that begins with uh, with a character saying, the Germans were flanking us at Deville Wood when I died. Ginger Stuyvesant was sitting with the spirit circle. I don't remember the rest of my actual lines, <laughs> but but she's in the middle of doing something. But it, it's, it is that, that hook that both of those have different ways of hooking the reader and pulling them in. And I would say that you may not know which of these you're doing because it is nano and you're just trying to figure it out. So one thing that I find really fun during nano is to write a little bit of a beginning and then go like, what could this be? What excites me about it? Like, what about the voice that I've just written is really interesting? What about the action that's happening is really intriguing? And it's a great way later in the in the month, if you get stuck, to go back and look at like, what are two or three things that I was really excited about? Like Howard said, right at the start that can continue to motivate me when I'm not sure like where I went or how the story has taken a twist or a turn. Well, and one thing that I do, and I've talked about this on the show before, but I still do it and I still think it's valuable, is I will do free writing uh, before I start a book. I will write uh, some dialogue, let a character talk for a couple of pages, or I will describe the world. I will describe my favorite aspects of the world, the part of the setting that gets me excited. I will try to write something and nail down a tone of voice or find a weird turn of phrase, never intending to actually use any of this in the novel, but just to kind of get me into the right headspace so I can hit the ground running when when the actual writing starts. I do something similar that I will often do a couple of exploratory attempts uh, and sometimes I am planning for it to be the first chapter, but but it's just me saying, what is this? What is going on here? Much like Aaron does also, it's just like, is there something here that excites me? And for those of you who are doing NaNoWriMo seriously, all of those exploratory attempts count towards your total <laughs> word count. Save them. Uh, no writing is wasted. And Absolutely. one of the things about NaNo is that it really teaches you that no writing is wasted. Um, when we come back from our break, what we're going to be talking about are some some of the pieces of information that you're going to need to pass to your reader. But right now, let's take a brief break. It's the first week of NaNoWriMo. It is time to get started. And I'm going to throw a couple of aphorisms at you. Must be present to win. You miss 100% of the pitches you don't swing at. If you don't start, you'll never get to finish. I speak as someone who has never actually won at NaNoWriMo. I've started it, 
several times. I've, I think one time I actually got 30,000 words in on a project, but I've never actually completed something that I would consider to be first draft of a novel during NaNoWriMo. Do I feel bad about it? No. Do I feel in the least bit conflicted about encouraging you to start NaNoWriMo? Absolutely not. I am giving you permission to start and maybe fail because that happens to the best of us. And I, I don't want to suggest that I'm the best of us. They're way better than me who have failed at NaNoWriMo. But you miss 100% of the pitches you don't swing at. Sit down at the keyboard and write something. Let the words flow or let the words don't flow because until you try it, you won't know whether or not you can do it. I've heard it said that the limitations that affect most people are what they believe their limitations to be rather than what their limitations actually are. So whether or not you think you can finish NaNoWriMo, I think you should start. All right, so now that we're back, what I'd like us to talk about is some of the information that you want to try to get to the reader early, early in your, your novel uh, or short story. One of the reasons you want to do that is that part of the promises and all of those things is that you're giving the reader reasons to care and to, to connect. Readers are desperately trying to ground themselves at the beginning, and they will grab hold of any piece of information that you give them and begin to get, build a world. So you want to make sure that you are giving them information in order to build that world in their head. One of the biggest mistakes I see in openings is not giving enough information, right? Um, a lack of information density can make for an opening that feels incredibly slow, and it's just not pulling me into the world, not giving me information about the character, and not giving me a sense of what the shape of the story is going to be. So the way I always talk about opening pages is I want them to be like a layer cake, right? Where there's so much stuff put into those opening pages that are giving me a sense of world and character and all these things. And so one way to do that is to kind of play with your voice a little bit and play with time and interiority and perspective to be able to give us lots of different pieces of information from lots of different angles as quickly as possible. Sometimes I actually like to think about this as literally the who, what, when, where, yeah. why, and how. Like, these are the things that your your reader's going to want to know in the beginning. And you don't have to give them all in one sentence. Though, if you can, that's exciting. But really, I like to think about when am I answering, like, who? Who is this happening to? What? Like, what is actually going on at this moment? When and where is our setting? Like, when and where are we? And then for why and how, how is a lot of tone. Like, how is this story going to be told? Is this humor? Is this like a light touch? Is this like dark and foreboding? Like, how is the story being told? And why is a little bit of sort of the, if there's any theme that I want to put in there that I want to seed early on. And sometimes I'll actually go through the pages of a story and be like, when are each of these elements clear? And if one is clear very, very far down, then am I doing that for a reason? And if I'm not, can I bring it up and at least suggest mm -hmm. what's going on so that it doesn't feel missing? And on, on that point, uh, or to that point, um, I love the idea of uh, descriptions as being either additive or corrective. I see corrective as inherently problematic. If I've given you some description, uh, you're going to start building independently of me continuing to write things. Um, and if I 
if I lead you in one direction and you keep running in that direction, but that's not what's actually happening, the next piece of description I give you is corrective instead of additive. Mm -hmm. And every time you do that, you are breaking a trust with the reader. Now, in a humor novel, you can absolutely get away with it. In fact, it's a it's a fantastic technique. But I've started thinking about it in this way where, yes, I want to order things, you know, the who, what, when, where, why, but I also want to make sure that if I start people down a path, I don't, I don't let them run far enough that I have to correct my description later. And I think it's important to point out I, we don't want to freak you out with this thought that you have to explain everything in your first couple of pages. That's not what we're talking about. Think of it as providing evidence of what's going on rather than providing us answers to what's going on. You don't need to explain your entire magic system, for example, um, but you do need to give us the information that pertains to the scene itself. If your first scene is a fight between wizards, then yeah, we need to understand some of the magic system. If it's not, you can just drop hints here and there, give us some breadcrumbs, and explain the rest of it later. One thing I always say is that I need character stakes in the opening scene. I need some sense of like what's at risk here. The other thing I always say is these can be lies. Uh, this goes a little <laughs> counter to what mm -hmm. Howard's saying, but this doesn't have to be your main character's biggest problem. This can be a minor set of stakes that they need to get through for this scene that will then lead them into bigger inciting incidents, right? So I need a sense of a shape of a story. Don't feel pressure to communicate your whole novel to me in this moment. I just need a story, a subplot, a little something for me to chew on that's going to pull me into the rest of the book. Yeah. Coming back to additive versus corrective real quick, if you tell me, uh, you know, someone is desperately trying to get a hold of someone else but can't, and you don't tell me why, I, well, if you tell me, you know, because my cell phone has no charge, then you've grounded me in the 21st century. If you tell me that, you know, I can't get to a payphone. Uh, you know, and you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Then you've grounded me maybe a couple decades earlier, uh, or you know, smoked signals or whatever. This, I need to know if we're in you know Civil War era or 21st century fairly early on, or or the descriptions end up being very very corrective. Yeah. when you deliver them. This brings me to one other slight point: is to be a little careful of metaphor in these opening pages because. Everything, I don't know anything about your world. So sometimes somebody, I'll, I'll run into manuscript or somebody puts a metaphor in and they'll think, oh, literally people are fish in this world. Not they were like a fish in this moment. You know what I mean? And you can take stuff that is completely wild because I'm, it, it's all, you know, open skies for me. I don't know what it is I'm engaging with yet. So those metaphors can be taken incredibly liter literally in those opening pages. So something to be a little careful of. I, I, I'm going to give, like, some metrics for a, a really mechanical way to do this for people who like rules and are feeling freaked out. And, and I want to be really clear that this is, this is exercise stuff. This is not books must be written this way. But if you're like, I don't know, this is too much, um, using Aaron's, uh, Aaron's idea of who, what, where, why— um, I do something very similar, and that is I try to make sure that my my readers know where we are, um, who we're with, and something about the genre or mood. And I, I count when as part of the where. 
And I try to do that within the first three sentences so that I'm just like giving, and it's not that when I say who, it's not that you have to know my character's entire backstory. It's just giving a little bit of an idea of whose eyes we're going to be looking through, who we're going to be connecting to. And then within the first 13 lines, I try to make sure that we know something about my character's goal. And the reason I say the first 13 lines is an entirely mechanical and mercenary thing, which is that it's about the first half page of a manuscript, and that's about how long you have to hook an agent or an editor when they are in the slush pile. So if you can give them something that your reader, your character wants, and to Dong Wan's point, it doesn't have to be the big thing, but something that's like somehow thematically linked. Like if we're going to be on a big quest later, they're just looking for the remote control right now, but something, something that they want. Let's say two things about that. One is that I think those small things, the looking for the remote control, build the trust uh, that Howard's mm-hmm. talking about earlier. You show that, like, I'm going to show you something and I'm going to deliver on it. And then you don't have to deliver on it as quickly the next time because you've built that trust. But also to be like a chaos gremlin, like in <laughs> opposition of what you're saying. I also say, like, one of the things that's nice about Nano is it's like a time to play around yeah, and find totally. out what happens if you break all these rules. Do you want to write 50,000 words where no one knows where they are the entire time, including the reader? Hey, go for it. Yeah. You may find out that you've discovered a new way of writing fiction, or you may find out that it's confusing and you need to go back and add that in. But this is a great time to like play around with what you're doing and how you're doing it. I actually completely agree with that. So we're in great shape. Yeah. And I think that we've set you up to begin your first nano day hopefully. Um, So dive in. All of the words you count right. All of the words you write count. And uh, and now we're going to give you a little bit of homework. So your homework assignment is that I want you to write two different openings. The first one is going to be kind of more action-driven, where your character is doing a thing. And the second one is going to be voice-driven, where you are ruminating on something and kind of just exploring voice. You may wind up using neither of those. Both of them count. You can do them in any order you want. But explore two different ways of opening that novel. This is Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Do you have a book or a short story that you need help with? We're now offering an interactive tier on Patreon called Office Hours. Once a month, you can join a group of your peers and the hosts of Writing Excuses to ask questions. Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. For this episode, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, Dong Wan Song, Aaron Roberts, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr., mastered by Alex Jackson, and produced by Emma Reynolds. For more information, visit writingexcuses.com. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. 
Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. Locus. 